Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I've just left St Mary's Stadium in Southampton and got back on the coach where there's 52 United fans who've been on it all day. They've had an absolutely brilliant day. We've reported before from Southampton, there was that one game where one lad was in such a state that he was... Uh, Led out, carried out the ground at, at half-time and put in the recovery position <laughs> quite close to the ground. Uh, and with John Doveman, long-time <laughs> contributor to United Way. Stan, John, how was it today at St Mary's? <laughs> well, about as great as you know, you, well, as you know it would be uh, there today. Um, we've just been joking with some of the lads after the game, actually saying that it almost puts a tinge on the game, doesn't it? The fact that um, such a great comeback um, and thinking about how good that... Uh, that, that away end would have been and, and not to mention a five hour journey home today so it does does put a bit of a dampener on the game um, but obviously fantastic result from, from, today, from United today Before we talk about the game and the specifics of it that away end at Southampton it's one of the best you get a big allocation it's a, the grounds but in the city centre it's, it's always really loud there it's a fantastic place, yeah. Like you said, it's a, it's a it's a good area of the ground, and not to mention the fact that um, you, you've had six hours to uh, to prepare for the game on the way down. So yeah, everyone's always in great spirits down there. And, and like I said, the journey home I can imagine would have been something special today. So uh, grateful for the points, but obviously, yeah, there's definitely tinged with disappointment from not not just myself, but obviously three thousand other United fans who who would have loved to have been there today. As you say, fans have got plenty of time before those long trips to prepare, to look at all the statistics, to look at what's likely going to happen in the game. Yeah, that's what we usually do. Well. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. stop as well at a, um, at a public house, which is open to members of the public to go in and, and use the toilet facilities. And then onwards to Southampton and that big away allocation. You can actually see the pitch, unlike Southampton's old ground at the Dell, <laughs> where you were, at, you were at low down, you had a, a good view of a, of a fence. But it was a great comeback and... 2-0 down at half-time. I did actually think about you because you have been one of the biggest advocates and supporters of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What were you thinking at half-time? Well, I, I wasn't quite as negative as I might have been. Um, you know, you, you saw the game against West Brom uh, last week, which was obviously pretty dire in parts, but it was a frustrating first half, I thought, from a United perspective in that they, they played reasonably well. They did create chances. But if, you, if you're rubbish in both boxes, you're going to lose games of football, aren't you? And, and that's what we basically were. You know, you, you've got arguably the best dead ball taker in world football playing for them. So the last thing you want to do is give needless free kicks away, um, a little like we did. And then obviously Mason Greenwood's missed two great chances. Um, Fernandez, you, you're thinking, you know, he's, he's usually took them away with his eyes closed. So you, part of you was thinking, oh, it's going to be one of them days. But then you're also encouraged by the fact that, you know, if you are creating chances and the goals you give away have been of your own making, then you have got a chance of getting back in the game. And, and obviously, what I think was the most pleasing thing at half time that, you know, United fans have given criticism to Solskjaer about was the fact he's made the he wasn't scared to make the changes. Um, and that was obviously key with, with obviously Cavani coming on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, th I think Solskjaer's just—he's—he's he's got a little bit stuck in a rut, a little bit of this, you know, de dependency on having playing, playing two defensive midfielders. Uh, I think since the the defeat at um, the Spurs game, he's—he's he's, it has frightened him a little bit, and and he's definitely not playing with that no fear um, attitude, which is kind of understandable because obviously it's his job at the end of the day. You know, he can't lose games of football when you're United manager now. Um, he, he's not got that sort of buffer zone that he might have had at the start of the season because we've already lost two or three games. So, But yeah, um, the first half was, was obviously, like I said, really disappointing. And it, it was interesting to know that even Roy Keane didn't pile into United at half-time um, on Sky today. He, he said that United had played reasonably well, but 
again, just reiterating what I've just said there, they, they give two bad goals away and, you, and you're missing them at the other end. It's, it's not a good good recipe for games of football, but obviously, thankfully, that, that turned around in the second half. United were 14th before the game, up to 7th now with a game in hand. That game in hand's against Burnley, who've won only one game so far this season. OK, the goal difference is still nil, but four straight wins in all competitions there. United win that game in hand. Well, they're already above City in the league. Liverpool dropped points this weekend. It's not the foregone conclusion that it was last season, is it? No, yeah, I, listen, I, I think that you, last two or three years, it's been a sort of, you needed 90-odd points think, to win the league. I don't think it will be like that this year. I think you, you could realistically go into Christmas with not much between the top six. You'd expect it to start taking some shape with the, with the usual suspects up at the top of the league, but I don't see anybody running away with it this year. Um, it, it, or if some if somebody can put a, a run of fixtures together, a run of wins together, sorry, in the fixtures, they could easily th- then start to you know make some space between because no nobody looked particularly consistent. I watched Liverpool yesterday; they they weren't very good. Um, City are obviously very hit and miss. Chelsea, just Chelsea and Tottenham playing as we speak. Um, obviously both good sides, but well, Tottenham are Tottenham, aren't they? Um, so yeah. It, Listen, United are in with a shout. I know people will keep writing them off, saying, "Oh, you know, we're still miles behind Liverpool, mil miles behind City." Well, I don't think they are anymore because I don't think either of those two look that great. So yeah, if it's not beyond the realms of possibility that if United can sort themselves out, shore up a little bit at the back, um, you know, get Cavani firing on all all cylinders, which he, he looks a lot sharper again today. So yeah, it's, yeah, I think United should think big. I don't think I don't buy into all this. Oh, United are going to need time to do this, that, and the other. You get a couple of players in, you get your squad stronger, and uh, yeah, United should be should be up there and thinking about, um, if not winning the league, then certainly having a go at you know being there or thereabouts at the end of the season. United were thirty-three to one before the game. Um, I'm not usually a betting man, but I had a good look at that one, and I noticed after the game it had come into twenty-five to one. After nine games, United have got four points more than at the same point last season one of the reasons is they're not drawing matches and dropping points that way but United won four from the first 14 last year they won five of the first nine now so I know statistics can prove anything and had United lost that game today the team would have been in 14 for 15th and it would have looked completely different but there's definite reasons for optimism here there's plenty, yeah, and um, I mean, what people forget as well, we've had quite a tough run of fixtures as well, United, you know, we've already had to, I think, I know people talk about our home form, but already Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea have already been to Old Trafford, you know, we've had to go to Southampton, we've had to go to Everton, so I know you, it's a bit of a cliche about not getting many easy fixtures in in this league, but there are some, um, and we've not really had many of them so far, so you'd hope that when we get to Christmas time, and we do the we, we have got sort of a, you know, your, your sides that are struggling at the bottom of the league, then, then maybe you've got a chance, but yeah, I, I just think that I think the team is improving all the time. One big worry is defensively. I think again today they, they got exposed very very easily for both of them two goals. There's big question marks around the goalkeeper. Who, you know, Solskjaer might have had a question answered um, inadvertently today that if if De Gea's out for any period of time. But there's definitely an argument there that, that Henderson should be should be starting league games. Um, you know, there's question marks around Wan Bissaka defensively and going forward. You know, he's, he's Lindelof. Um, good enough and, and aggressive enough to play centre half as well alongside Maguire. So there's still plenty. There's probably more questions than there are answers at the minute, but it's ticking along. It's getting better each week. And one thing that today's proved, I think, more than anything, is that you can't question the character of the side. Um, a lot of teams could have folded two 0 and 
you know, yet again, I mean, we are a bit reliant on Fernandez, but he's, he's he's your best player. You know, every every single side is reliant on their best player. You know, if, if Harry Kane got injured for Tottenham, you, you'd say the same thing. City aren't the same when Aguero's out. You know, that that's that's what top players do. But, um, yeah, great character again from the tail. Like I said, Fernandez got a grip of the game, brought us back in. Like I said, them two, two terrific finishes from Cavani today. But on another day, United could have won that game 5-1 today. Um, like I said, but for, but for some poor, poor decision-making in both boxes. Um, but other than that, yeah, it was a good performance. So your point about playing the teams at the top is a good one. United have played four of the six teams above them and still have uh, that game in hand. You mentioned Cavani. He's the man at the moment. He came on at half-time, eventually, after tying his shoelaces. I'd love to know what his reasons were why he wasn't ready to come on the pitch unless Ole Gunnar just changed his mind right at the last and said to Greenwood or something happened where he's right, you're off and you get on, uh, Eddington. But I, I've been really um, bigging Cavani up since he signed and I said it several times. And it was based on yeah his reputation. But I went to Paris. I spoke to lots of people there. And nobody said he's finished. They were all gutted that he'd gone. I spoke to PSG season ticket holders. I spoke to journalists. I spoke to the manager of Olympic Lyon. I spoke to Diego Forlan. He wasn't massive mates with Cavani. And every one of them could have said to me, on the record, yeah, he's a great guy, great player. And off the record, they could have said, he's finished. And none of them did. They all spoke glowingly of him. And he's had to wait for his chances. I thought the way that he timed his run for his first goal at Everton a few weeks ago showed his intelligence. It was pretty selfless uh, of Bruno to set him up. But then today was his first headline-making performance for United. I mean, he completely changed the game, didn't he? He got the goals. He was involved in everything. Ollie's talked about his movement. Harry Maguire's just said after the game that he's the most difficult player to play against in training. I know that the coaches at United are desperate for the younger strikers to soak in as much of Cavani as possible while he's still at the club. Now, he can't speak English, and none of them can speak French apart from Martial, <laughs> who can't speak English, according to some of them, can speak a bit. But the point is there, this is, a, this is a leader who, when he trains, is an absolute perfectionist. That is why he's in the physical state that he's in, aged 33. It's looking more like we've got a Zlatan here than a, than a Falcao, isn't it? Well, it's it's you've just hit the nail on the head there about about what he, what he does bring that we haven't got from any other players. You know, his movement and his like you said, his attitude in training is supposed to be fantastic, from what I've heard as well. He he doesn't look anything like a third. You know, you look at him physically, he doesn't look anything like a an over the old strike. You know, sometimes they start to put on a bit of a bit of timber and they, they lose that bit of sharpness and a bit of pace. He doesn't look any of that at all. He's obviously a clever striker. His his movement's fantastic and. You look around Europe, Andy. I was looking at the, the scoring charts in Serie A this year, and, and the, the two top scorers are Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Cristiano Ronaldo, who are both nearer 40 than they are 30. You know, Lewandowski's 32, 33, is still banging them in left, right, and centre. I, I think age is. There's too much put on age. You know, if you look on, if you look after yourself this day and age, you've got the training facilities that they've got, they've got the dietitians, they've got all the fitness experts. There's no reason why you can't still play at a top level for another two or three years until. Maybe Mason Greenwood can fill those shoes up front, but he's just. He, could, could you imagine us coming back today and winning three two if if you had Anthony Martial as your your option up front and not Cavani? I, I don't think it would have happened. Then Martial obviously has his strengths, but I don't think he's that sort of striker that was would get on the end of them balls that Cavani did today. And it, it could be one of them that that 
you know, people raised a lot of eyebrows and rightly so that nobody else was in for Cavani when, when he left. But even the PSG managers this week is saying that, you know, maybe he's letting go a little bit too early because obviously they're, they're struggling to hit the heights that they did. Um, it could prove to be a masterstroke signing. But like you said, more than anything, it's, it's, that, it's that attitude that he gives, that, that will to win, that desire, that experience. And yeah, I think, I think he looked brilliant when he came on today. He's, um, yeah, just, just exactly what United would have been missing. Another who's come into the fray, uh, having signed at the same time, is Alex Tillis. I thought he did very well against Istanbul, but he's the best defender against uh, Southampton. What have you made of, of his performances? Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of playing games and going a little bit unnoticed, isn't he? Which for a United fullback is is a bit of a breath of fresh air as well because they're always in seem to be in the headlines for the wrong reasons sometimes for the you know the lack of fitness or the inability to go forward he kind of just he's no nonsense defensively which I quite like and obviously he's got a fantastic set piece delivery on him he seems to have fitted in seamlessly I mean it's a bit of a worry that he went off it looked like a knock and Brandon Williams had to come on because the last thing you need at the minute with the run of fixtures we've got coming up is is being without your first two choice left backs but for me yeah if he's fit I think Luke Shaw's going to struggle getting back into the team uh, ahead of him because like I said he gives you a bit more I just more balance in the fact that he can he can play a, play a decent ball forward. He set up that chance for for Greenwood, who should have scored in the first half with a nice ball forward as well. So yeah, he gives you so much more going forward. And you know, Wan-Bissaka's limitations have been have been all too often, aren't they, on the other side going forward? So yeah, I don't think you can get away with two fullbacks in this modern day football who can't attack because you know with the formations they play, all your width comes from out wide, and I don't want to. Bore, bore everyone too much going into a, a full tactics truck, but yeah, I think I think you need at least one fullback going forward these days who can who can put a decent ball in and and gives you some attacking options. And when you've got Wambisaka and Shaw both there, I don't think you get that. Ollie wants two players for every position. You can see why when Shaw, who was playing very well until he was injured, moved out, and then you've got Tillis who's coming in and he's playing well. So you can see why he wants that strength in depth, and he still wants that. He still wants more players to to come in and maybe another right back uh, to come in because uh, Wan Bissaka defensively is is decent. Although I thought in the first half he struggled uh, in Southampton. There's not many players run at him and get the better of him. But I thought he was on the the back foot as Gineppo was running at Wan Bissaka. But then Bissaka he put a lovely ball in for Cavani who nearly equalised with with a header. So maybe that was a taste of of what was to to come. Um, Greenwood, what did you make of his 45? Well, unusually for him, I mean, the, the one thing that you usually associate with him that he does so well is he's finishing. You know, he can, He's not always involved in the game, but you give him a chance and he, he puts something in the back of the net. And he had two really good chances, didn't he, for, for his standards in the first half um, and didn't manage to, especially the second one that he put straight at the goalkeeper, um, but he, he's, he's been in and out of the team. You can cut him a bit of slack. He's a young lad. You know, he's not always going to hit them heights that he that he did do. I don't know whether he took him off injured at half time or whether he just wasn't giving him what he what he needed. But listen, he's, he's how old is he? Nineteen. You've got to accept that a nineteen year old striker is not going to deliver every every game. Um, it was probably the right idea to to, to start him. He wants that bit more. But he wanted to play with that diamond, didn't he? And, and two wide forwards. So you'd probably rather pick him than Cavani to do that role. But Obviously, you had to change it in the second half when you start having to chase the game rather than being sat on sat on deeper and hoping to hit them on the counter attack. So, yeah, I, th- I think he's um, it was it was a game to forget for Greenwood, but um, there's going to be plenty of other opportunities for him. Looking at the games coming up, PSG at home, a huge game that this week on Wednesday. Then it's West Ham away in the league where United have been 
horrendous in recent seasons, and I mean horrendous, not just in the games where United yeah. have lost, but I remember a, a nil-nil. It was uh, towards the end. Uh, it, was, it was May 18. Yeah, it was, it was Mourinho's. Mourinho's got it to. Yeah, he, he celebrated it, didn't he? Because we sealed the second place. I yeah. remember it well. Yeah, and horror and we, show. Oh, it was. It was. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. And I went in the press conference afterwards, and David Moyes was there. Hello, David. Nice to see you. Uh, yeah, it was a, a good performance. It was an entertaining game, and I just felt like saying bollocks. It's absolute yeah. bollocks. How can well, you say I that? Always said, I always said. I always said at the time. Andy, the same. The, those games, those games at the end of the season when there's literally nothing else to play for, those games should be like soccer aid. You know, people should be pulling pulling tricks on each other and pulling each other's <laughs> pants down, and the game and the game ends up nine six or something. Um, so yeah, to, to draw nil nil and have all them fans trips down there when it I think it's like the thirty seventh game of the season with nothing to play for. Yeah, absolutely awful. Um, but it, it, you're right. Since we, since they've moved to the the new well, we didn't have a great record at Upton Park, but since they've moved to the new ground, I can't think of too many occasions where. Um, where the United have played particularly well, and the only one good thing you say about that is it's probably the one away game where uh, fans won't be too particularly disappointed to miss that one because it's uh, an absolute hot, awful away um, away ground and yeah, one where we don't usually get a great result. But it's one where we're going to have to have to play well to win. They're a little bit like us, West Ham, on a, on a smaller scale in that they they tend to be a little bit hit and miss, don't they? But when they're good, they can be um, they can be a handful for any team. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. In, t- in terms of the PSG one, you think United only need one point now from the two games to make sure we definitely qualify. Um, and you, you'd think that the fact that PSG need to come to Old Trafford and win would play into United's hands a little bit better. You know, you think of the two performances we've had over in Paris have both been where United have been able to sit back and, and let PSG have the initiative as opposed to the game where we lost at Old Trafford when, when we had to sort of um, call the shots. So I think it would suit United. A, a point would not be a bad result at all. And, and I think we'd all take that to make sure that we go through. I think Wednesday's about stopping PSG winning as much as United winning. Just getting is, the point, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. It goes to me, that I think this is the first game where I think Old Trafford would be brilliant. Everyone would be up for it. Everyone would be on a high after the recent run. It's a proper Champions League game. There'd be a feeling of being vengeful because when PSG came to Old Trafford in February 19, they absolutely bossed it. Mbappe was just a level above everybody else um, on the pitch. Um, but it's not going to be. It's another one for TV. And then after that, there's a big game in, in Leipzig. Um, and then it's City, Sheffield United away, Leeds United, Everton. So many big games. There are a couple of injuries, but it's not looking too bad for United, is it, finally, John? No, the, I mean, these are the games you look forward to, don't you? And, you know, if you go back over the... You know, I can remember every minute of the 99 group stage games, but if you think of the last 20 years in the Champions League, I can't barely, barely remember a group stage game. Um, so for, it's quite ironic that for the first time when fans aren't in there, we, we've drawn a, a decent group. I know people were moaning when we drawn it that, that it was a tough draw, but the, the games that you remember, aren't they? They're games you proper up for rather than playing Benfica and Basel twice a year like we seem to do for about 10 years. It, it, they were games that you really did look, look forward to. And for, for all our our poor home form in the league, in the Champions League. I think we scored nine goals in two games and two two great performances. So, yeah, it's definitely one to look forward to. And like you said, it, the games come thick and fast. You've got we've got a League Cup quarter final as well at Everton, which would have been tasty just before just before Christmas. Again, that would have been a would have been a good night out. But yeah, the, you know, I know like we we mentioned it earlier about the cliche about no easy games, but it is literally game after game against sides that are either 
not necessarily always great sides, but the teams that are bang up for it against United as well. You think Leeds are going to be, you know, they're going to be desperate to play against United after so long uh, in the wilderness. So, yeah, you've got you've just got to keep going, keep picking points up. You, you know, you, you're going to be able to, I think, drop more points than you would have done normally, but you've just got to keep going. And if you do lose a game, bounce back as quickly as you possibly can, which I think is one thing Solskjaer has done quite well. Um, that we, when we have had, had disappointments, we have bounced back quite well. And there's a one or two leaders in that team now who at least can, you know, pick the team up and and gee them up for the next game. Everton away. It's funny you mentioned that midweek in December in a one-off cup tie, we would have had a far bigger allocation, wouldn't we? Maybe five or six. It'd have been fantastic. It would have been a fantastic right night way out down and... the Bullens Road. That would have been brilliant. It would. It would indeed. Um, I would just about remember the, the the cup game we had there on a on a Saturday night a few years. I can't remember what year it would have been. To the early two thousands, which was probably one of the uh, one of the moodiest cup games I've ever been to. On a that was a Saturday tea time game. So yeah, it's always a it's always a tough place to go. And they're they're another side who are a bit up and down out there at the minute. I watched them last night and they were they were quite poor actually. Leeds got a deserved win, but you know they've got some good players. And if um if if he puts a full strength team out, which I don't think Ollie will, he's obviously going to give give a few of the squad players a. I run out. It's going to be it's going to be a tough night, but but yeah, it's it's just great to be involved in these sort of games, isn't it? You know, you've got, you've constantly got a big Champions League game or a big league game, and and, and we're, we we are in meeting with a shout with it in every competition we're playing this year, and um, it's just making sure that we're that we're there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Right. Well, we've got our next guest, Bruno Fernandez, coming on, so I'm going to say <laughs> goodbye to you, John. But thanks for your time, and it'd be, be really Not good to have you outside Old Trafford soonish, recording the podcast after a game having sold the mag. But thank you for your time. No problem, Andy. Investing is one of the best ways to grow wealth over the long term. However, high commissions and clunky products from traditional stockbrokers can make it complicated for people to start investing. Meanwhile, trillion-dollar companies get built, but very few people benefit from that wealth creation. Free Trade is on a mission to change that by breaking down these barriers and by opening up stock investing to everyone. While other brokers charge up to £12 for every trade, Free Trade doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can invest and keep more of your profits. The award-winning investment app is used by over 250,000 people. It is FCA authorised and FSCS protected, and it lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs and investment trusts, all without commissions. Free Trade has been the winner of the British Bank Award two years in a row for the best online trading platform. The intuitive design makes investing simple for any experience level. Beginners, experts alike. You can start investing for just £2. Free Trade doesn't offer any speculative products such as spread betting or products with leverage. And they don't do day trading. They're all about long-term investing with a transparent pricing model and no hidden fees or inflated spreads. There are different account types. You can sign up for a general investment account, a stocks and shares ISA, or sign up to Free Trade Plus with more advanced order types and a bigger stock universe. SIPs, which are self-invested personal pensions, are being launched soon. Don't forget, when you invest, your capital is at risk. The value of investments can go up as well as down, and you may receive back less than your original investment. Go to freetrade.io forward slash united, and if you register and fund your account, you will get a randomly allocated free share worth between £3 and £200, such as Greg's, Rightmove or Apple. For more information, visit freetrade.io. 
So that's it for this podcast. We did have Aunt Shaw on as another guest, but there were problems with the sound level, so unfortunately we're not able to use that. But buzzing, buzzing after a fourth consecutive Manchester United win. And there's tough games coming up. And we're also finishing off the next issue of United We Stand, which goes to print this week. It's out on December the 9th. It will be on sale in all the usual shops and you'll be able to download it. The deadline to be out in the first mail out is Monday. That's Monday the 30th. And just go to uwsonline.com. You can subscribe uh, for the next 10 issues of the printed magazine. Or if you just want to order a single issue, uh, PayPal, three ninety nine to uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk. Make sure you put your address in there, in the notes section. And that's five forty nine um, for... Europe and Republic of Ireland and five ninety nine for the rest of the world. Try and do that before Monday and we'll get you a nice, clean, crisp and freshly printed copy of issue 310 of United We Stand. There's really varied issue. There's loads of good stuff in there that you will not find anywhere else. So check that out. And we'll bring you another podcast soon. I'd like to say after Paris, but we just don't know at the moment. And also, um, we're looking for sponsorship for this podcast. Uh, if you know anyone who's interested in sponsoring this podcast, we have done almost 500 episodes of the podcast, then please get in touch via uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk and we'll continue to bring you interesting guests like we always have done. And hopefully, in the not-too-distant future, we'll be able to start recording the podcast at games. Because if we've got to take something from that game at Southampton today, apart from Edison Cavani and the performance, it's how much better it would have been in that away end with that late, late winner. Well, we can dream till the future. Goodbye.